Hello from the Better Each Day Podcast radio show. This is Bruce Hilliard, and this is kind of a cool show. It's a rock show. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Better Each Day Podcast radio show with Bruce Hilliard. Today and every day, reaching out for innovative ideas in every way. Today's show is brought to you by your future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. make a better stay now, baby. Highly anticipated debut album from Riot Act, Closer to the Flame, is sure to please fans from the late 70s and early 80s era of Riot, as well as fans of classic rock everywhere. There are bonus recordings featuring the final recordings of their original guitarist, Lou Caveras, who was awesome. He tragically passed away of COVID-19 in early 2020. They went ahead and made the record anyway. The deluxe double album set will be released October 1st on Global Rock Records. Riot Act features former Riot guitarist Rick Ventura, talented lead vocalist Don Chafin, Paul Rainier on bass and Claudio Galinsky on drums. Our guest today, Rick Ventura, was a member of the classic lineup of Riot Act from 1979 to 1984. Some bands are formed by record labels, some are the result of advertisements, some are the result of a dare. And some just happened. Check this one out. I graduated high school in 74. I think you guys were up and running by about then. Yeah, the very early part of the band. That was a little before I was in the band. But oh. It started around 75. How did you get in the band? I got in the band um, around 78, 79. I, I actually replaced the, one of the guitar players. Um, there was Mark, Reale, and Lou Tavares. And after the first album, Rock City, um, Lou uh, departed, and uh, I was asked to join. So I, I appeared on the second album, Narita. So I was always friends with the guys in the band because it was, it was a neighborhood band, really. And that's how um, you know I got to know. And you're from Brooklyn, right? Yeah, yeah, we were all from Brooklyn. Yeah, it's interesting how, how I met up with them because <laughs> they literally lived around the corner from me. Oh, really? So it wasn't a newspaper ad or a lot of the classic stories? No, here, yeah. no. No, it's an interesting story. I just One day I was just... Uh, walking up the block and I heard music blasting from this house and a band I'm going what is going on here you know <laughs> and uh, I'm just hanging out and listening to it and just playing really cool stuff and wound up meeting um, Mark Reale the guitarist and uh, and struck up a friendship and I would go there practically every day and we'd hang out and talk gear and music and uh, I just watched the band evolved uh, until I was asked to, to join on the Narita album. Yeah, it was very, it was very uh, cool period. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, ads were usually the way to go, but uh, this just happened to be a neighborhood thing. So. Yeah, that's as organic as you can get, unless it's your brother yeah. or something. Yeah. You mentioned gear. <clears throat> a lot of listeners won't know what we're talking about, but what kind of gear do you use? Uh, assortment. <laughs> I've always uh, had a affinity uh, for martial amps. Uh, even back in the early early days. Uh, in fact, when I first 
met uh, Mark. He was playing for a, a 50 watt uh, small small box Marshall and uh, in an 810 cabinet for old the Marshall gear freaks out there. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I was like, and that's an unusual cabinet actually. So um, that was my f- first uh, exposure to it. I mean, all my guitar heroes played through Marshalls, but uh, you know, someone in the neighborhood actually having one, it was like, yeah. a, that was a thrill. <laughs> you know, so that's, uh, yeah, I currently use Marshalls now. And some cool small amps too.
Do you use any stomp boxes? You know, we never, I, I use very few, um, maybe just, um, a, a booster. I'm not really, um, heavily into pedals. In, in fact, when, uh, toward Ryder, we would just less poles right into a Marshall amp. And that's, you know, occasionally, uh, we have a tube screamer up there, but really it was 90% of the time. It's just going straight through 50 odd marshals on 10. <laughs> yeah. That's, I still, I'm still like that. You know, it's just, that's just the sound I, I like. And you just throw a mic in front of it and go through the mains or something or. Yeah. 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 Pr- pretty much. Um, but it's, uh, we haven't toured or done anything, you know, due to the pandemic for the past few years. So yeah. we might be working within years now, next time we go out. And uh, it's probably not going to be that much different. You know, maybe I'll have two pedals, you know, this time. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, for some flavor, but not a real big pedal board guy. Yeah, so you, you do play a Les Paul? Yeah, that's my main guitar is, is the Les Pauls I've had since since the mid seventies. What gauge strings are you using? Uh I use ten to forty six. Wow. That's that's pretty yeah. fairly heavy. Yeah, you know, it's it's kinda of, kinda of common. Um there there's times I'll you know, I'll switch to uh a nine to forty two. I have a few guitars with nine. Depends on the tension of the guitar. Yeah. Um I have two less poles. I have a newer, an historic, a 59 historic, which is uh, pretty cool. But my main one is the old one. I think it's around the 1970, 69 or 70. And I picked it up uh, in 76. I picked it up. And it's a very unusual Les Paul uh, for guitar geeks out there because it's... Um, I really can't narrow down the gate because it has such uh, interesting qualities of a late fifties Les Paul. So many characteristics of it. Um, so it's, it's a very special guitar. People always ask about my Les Paul. What year was it made? Is it a two piece and all this stuff? I uh, all, same thing with mine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason that maybe that's a character flaw on my behalf or something but if it no, plays I mean, well it's good it yeah good. yeah yeah if you yeah. can make music with it it's a good guitar that's that's how i work sure it. yeah if it's does right if you relate to it and it just makes you uh want to play it that's that's all there is to it that's everything so rick i i've watched this probably for the fourth time with the get back beatles movie came out uh, gosh, a month and a half, two uh, months ago. Or have you watched that? Yeah, I started to. I I got through the first uh, first series. Uh, so I have. A, we've just been so busy doing videos that I haven't finished it. Uh, but I I was always a Beatle freak. So yeah, <laughs> kind of everybody that. was. I find out when I started this podcast, I always ask, "Well, how'd you get started?" Well, I saw Beatles on Ed Sullivan. You hear that so much. Or if it's younger, oh, yeah. if I it's mean, a younger person, it's my parents listen to the Beatles. But it's always Beatles. They, God, are they just yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, the part that got me in. <clears throat> what's your role as a songwriter in the band? Well, in in riot acts, um, it's 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 
B-roll. Oh, you're the guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, the music, music, as far as music goes, yeah, that's, that's me, Don, um, Don with the lyrics, and, um, and everybody contributes parts, you know, obviously. Yeah. But that's my main, you know, thing. That was what I found interesting about the Beatles movie was uh, watching them write songs and how they go just mm. kind of stream of consciousness and just throw funny stuff out and they're having a good time. Their the brains are in a happy place kind of a thing, which I think is where you yeah. want to be when you're creating, but really fascinating. And then I heard people say, well, the movie's just boring. And I'm like, no, it's not. That's, that's how rehearsals go. I mean, it was really fascinating to me. Yeah. I've heard that from some people too. You know, I've, 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 I've some friends said, you know, it was a little boring, you know, let's get to move on to where they're really playing and stuff like that. But I, I, I didn't find that at all. I was just, I just was, it was so cool just to see their interactions and just goofing around. And I just found it fascinating. So I didn't find it boring. You know, if you're not a real Beatle freak, you, you might find it a little. Or a musician. Dirty. Yeah. To me, I, I think you'd have to be a musician to understand kind of what they were going through, putting the songs together out of nothing, mm. pretty much. And and McCartney had some ideas for things that were later going to be on Abbey Road. Yeah. See, that that was cool when you hear these little snippets of ideas. You go, wow, that's that's where they got it, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what, kind of, I really that's cool. find that fascinating because when you're, when yep. you're writing, yeah, you're like, Come on, man. I need some uh, divine intervention here. Something's got to kick in. Your new album, is is this all new recordings or some of them? No, this this album, uh, Closer to the Flame, is all 10 new songs that we did over the last year during the pandemic. Um, and, and there's a bonus CD of uh, 12 tracks from my early days with the Riot. So we recorded uh, 12 tunes from three different albums from that period and it's a bonus CD. So fans will get to hear that. Um, I don't know if you know about the history of the band. We started off with uh, Luke Cavaris, who was in Riot on the first album and myself. Um, we, we got the idea together. It was his idea and for us to play together. Um, but unfortunately he uh, passed away. Yeah, uh, at the beginning of COVID, uh, it'll be two years this this month actually, and uh, everything was put on hold. And I, I didn't even know if you know, I wanted to continue with it. Uh, so for quite a few months, we just uh, we were just devastated between losing Lou and just the whole situation in the world. And um, but then, you know, I said to myself, and you know, I have a lot of music. It was, here was an opportunity we had and to really get the songs that I've been working on. And everybody in the band was really, really wanted to play. And we just had a, a good chemistry. So uh, the songs just started coming out. And after X amount of months, the album was done. <laughs> You've got to feel good about that because, yeah, I think you're kind of working against the odds sometimes and those unfortunate things yeah. come up. And what do you do? You know, like, I guess forge ahead is the best plan. Yeah, it was a very, it was very unusual, you know, recording and getting together in a situation where everybody had to keep their distance. I did a lot of demos at home <laughs> and uh, sent them out. And then we get together as you know, very very sparsely yeah. uh, and just try the ideas out 
So we mainly put it together in the studio. You know, once the ideas were out there, and Don, the vocalist, uh, had the lyrics. Um, we just started recording the song, song by song, and uh, it came together. So it was a unusual process, but it worked out. You made it work, yeah. That's and it sounds great. I mean, if somebody didn't know about all the hardships, they'd just say, "Oh yeah, it was just a, a primrose path for those guys," and they just went in the studio and recorded these songs. But you and I know it's never that easy. But you throw the pandemic in, yeah. and now you really got a problem. Yeah, it's crazy. I've talked oh, to people yeah. during the COVID years or whatever it's been now. They say, well, we haven't done anything. And I'm thinking, this is a prime time to be in the studio. Damn mm. the torpedoes. Let's put something together now. It's inspirational. Right, yeah. yeah. We released uh, Wanted um, in November. That was the first uh, original we recorded. So uh, after we finished the album, we just looked back on it and said, you know, that song really captures... I guess the energy, because we didn't, we didn't play for so long. Uh, the last time we performed was two years ago at the, there was a heavy metal hall of fame uh, ceremony, which um, out in California mm. and we were asked to perform. So we performed two songs there and uh, Eddie trunk was the host and he, he had loved the band and there was a lot of uh, cool people on uh, Dr. Joe Satriani, oh. Steve I. Um, yeah. So, that was the last time we played. We only played two songs. <laughs> and it was two years ago. So over two years ago. So when we, you know, finished the record, um, I, I, I did that first original wanted. There was just so much uh, built up energy, and just that song just captured it. So we went with that as the first single. It's one of my favorites. <laughs>
fall down Gun, what is that about? Oh, this is Don's little story about uh, it's about a, a, a woman who's uh, you have to l- listen to the lyrics. Uh, hey, okay, one left with the smoking gun. <laughs> what they're really about yeah, yeah right that's me right? yeah yeah it's, uh, <laughs> and to explain it to somebody else well the lyrics just sounded right they don't why i don't know they don't they sound right to you bang bang maxwell silver hammer i don't know it's just what it should be right <laughs> <laughs> what's that all about it so you mentioned steve Vai, and who, who are your favorite guitar players um Growing up, I always gravitated to the blues. Uh, when I was a teen, I uh, I really listened to a lot of early Clapton. Yeah, uh, that was the guy that probably uh, 
single-handedly, single-handed one to, got me into playing guitar, got me to pick up a guitar, just hearing his tone and his vibrato, that's really what caught me. He's really never, you know, it was 1965 when the Bluesberg was in, you listen to his tone and uh, he, the way he would bend the string, it was just, just something magical about it. So that really, really struck something in me. And uh, then it went on to guys like Jeff Beck, Page, uh, uh, Blackmore. Um, listened to a lot of guys, Ronnie Montrose, Rick Derringer. And then went back to the, to the, to the blues masters, Buddy Guy, Albert King, Freddie King. I listened to those guys for quite a while. And uh, when they, when Eddie came out, that was a whole new style oh, of playing. And yeah, it was like wow, uh, you're not supposed to be able to do like that. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was like I know every guitar player sort of went in that direction. He influenced so many. Um, I never really, play, I I really don't play like that. And um, you know, occasionally you know, little tapping thing, but yeah. He, I mean, he just did it so well. So many guys that do it so well that I, I just don't even venture there. It's just not me. But uh, yeah, he was—he was a trip. He was probably the last of the great guitar heroes. Yeah, you know, you named off the Yardbirds guitarists. You know, that was kind of my deal too. I like the yeah, yeah. And uh, I wasn't yeah, that crazy good. about the Yardbirds, but the three guitar players that were in it changed the course of history pretty much. Oh, sure, sure. Every guitar player would have to go to that group, really, you know, at least in the generation we grew up in. Yeah, and you throw uh, little Hendrix and Santana in there, and those were two of the big guys I was... I mean, there's so many yeah. great players, yeah. It's just mind-boggling. I mean, there's a lot of great players out there now, too, but, you know, just it, it evolves. Yeah, and like you say, I don't sound anything like them, but those are the guys I really like. But, <clears throat> but as a vocalist, I like Karen Carpenter, but I don't sound anything like her, nor gotcha. will I. The album gets released, just to let you know, um, April 15th. In the states, April first in Europe, and uh, working on a new video now. So that'll be out first uh, week in April. That's pretty exciting. I'm going to be touring in August, the end of August in England. First time in over two years, so that's going to be uh, that's going to be a trip. <laughs> Are you ever going to get over to the West Coast here? I hope so. Uh, they're actually working on dates. In the U.S., I think end of September, early October. So hopefully we'll get out there. Yeah, it's been years since I played on the West Coast, so looking forward to it. Well, it sounds like the last time was it? The last time was in Anaheim when you did the two songs yeah. before the pandemic. Yeah, that that was it. Yeah, I mean did, that, that was it. You know, <laughs> did you go to Disneyland? No, no, I know it's right there. I know. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't go till I was twenty-eight. Yeah, I, I was there oh, on yeah. business. But if it wasn't for Disneyland, oh, here's another digression. I wouldn't have bought my first guitar because it was a family thing. We're oh. I'm a little kid, and we're going to Disneyland. Save your pennies. So I saved my money up until age ten. I said, "Screw it, we're never going to freaking Disneyland." So I bought a guitar. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. I know. It was smarter than going to Disneyland. I mean, that would have been fun, but the guitar was a life changer. Oh, sure. Sure. Same here. I remember seeing um, back in the early 70s, uh, there was a Hendrix movie that played in the village. And uh, I went to to see it with my friends. And, I, uh, and watching Hendrix on screen, I was just like, I was just totally blown away. I, I mean, at the time I was heavily into clapping and stuff like that. And then it's, I'm watching this guy, wow, this guy is just like from another world. <laughs> you know, the way he handled the guitar. Yeah, he's part of the guitar. And, and, yeah. Yeah, and I, I saved up every penny I had and I bought a white Stratocaster. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you play right handed, <laughs> right? Buy a white Strat. Yeah, 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 I'm just, yeah, right handed, but yeah. Later on, they wound up, you know, doing the Hendrix strats, the reverse headstock and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some things, uh, you, you, you know, just hit you so hard that you, uh, you just like, oh, God, I have to do this now <laughs> immediately. <laughs> it's true, and I don't know why. Make a better scene of it. Listening to the Better Each Day Podcast Radio Show with Bruce Hilliard. We'll be back with a new horizon, but until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. And we're all just trying to make the next day a bit better. <laughs>